You're listening to Central Illinois Business. Hi, Alex Ruggieri here. Thanks for joining us today. We have a great show lined up for you today with author Steve Melia. And uh, we're going to talk about a couple of books that he has out and uh, kind of shine a light on what he's up to. Welcome. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me on the show. It's great to be here. Oh, yeah. Um, a, a good friend of ours uh, recommended that I reach out to you. And uh, I'm just so glad that we're able to set all this up. And uh, I know you're in town, so it's working out great. Tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. So, um, oh, well, I'm 48 years old. I grew up on the East Coast. I'm from New York originally, uh, an avid New York Yankees fan. Cool. And, yeah. And about, I would say, well, when I turned 40, um, I decided to go on this crazy adventure and attend for one season every Yankee game home and away. And I had actually seen it on a reality show once, so I knew. You know, somebody I, did do that. Somebody did it, and and the, but the production company paid for it, and it was financed, you know, by the Yankees and all that stuff. So I thought, with my travel and just my creativity, creativity, I, I could do it. I'm going to do it. And mm-hmm. so I started planning it out. I got my business partners to sort of give me a, a break for six months and let me do How it. How many games do they have in? So a- there's 162 games in a season. 162. Yes. <laughs> How do they do it? Yeah, That's how do they? Amazing. And, and so they play 81 at home, 81 on the road. So at the time I was living in uh, North Carolina, Wilmington, and then I decided I so I just moved up to New York for the season, followed the Yankees around, and it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. <clears throat> Pardon me. And it was great. It took me about a year or so to come out with the book after that. Wow. And I do stand up comedy too. So the idea was I would hit comedy uh, circuits or comedy shows whenever I could. You know, it's really pr- probably the f- 15 or 16 best cities in the country for, for stand-up. You know? yeah. <laughs> and so that was great. Well, that explains the subtitle. The almost, you know, yeah. 162, the almost epic journey of Yankees superfan. That's great. Uh, well, that's interesting. Well, tell us a little about your stand-up comedy. Yeah, you know, so it's really more of, uh, I love doing it. You know, it's just, I'm passionate about it. And in my new book, I talk about goal setting and stuff. And so stand-ups, like, I just I have a simple goal in this year to, sh- to just perform once a, a week. If I can perform once a week, I'm constantly writing material. Um, you know, I love it. And so, like, I'm, I'm somewhere tonight. What's the name of the place? Clark the Clark Bar tonight. I don't know if you've ever been to the comedy show there. They have an open mic on uh, on evenings. On, I haven't, but I should Thursdays. go. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Wow. And, um, and I love it. I do mostly observational stuff, but, you know. Anything I'm doing, I do a bit right now on Planet Fitness, how it's the only, only gym I've ever been to that has its own smoking section, which is fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I love and it. it's funny. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. I mean, some of this stuff's funny because it's true. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, like, what, uh, Robert De Niro, you know, when in that movie, yep. <laughs> we say these things are funny, but they're funny because they're true. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, great. Well, tell us about the uh, journey. Uh, How did that go? I mean, that must have cost you a fortune. It did. It did. You know, I've been in like, um, I'm in a network marketing and direct sales business. So the idea is I have a big team all over the country that as long as I don't disrupt them and keep motivating them and don't get in their way more than anything, that the money will keep coming in. And I've been working um, in the same field for 25 years. So I've been I've been doing something a while, you Uh know, and and, and so I really felt like I had the time. You know, one of my thoughts was like, hey, if you work so hard for so long, what are you going to do? Just keep working hard for so long? I mean, there's got to be an end yeah, game yeah, or at least point. a rest or a rest right. area or something right, like that. Right, right, good point. So I got the buy-in of all the people that were most important in my life, the CEO of my company, my two business partners, and everybody, you know, everybody. And then there was about five different themes that run through the book. Um, my relationship with my dad, 
which is probably for a lot of people most prevalent. He was 86 when I started the season. This book is like 400 and, uh, pages it's, it's long. It's a big book. It's yeah. a big book. I learned in my second book not to make big books so big because <laughs> people will read them more. But there was a lot to write, you know. And at first I wrote about literally every day. And I went to the editor. I didn't know how many pages it was because I had it on my computer. But uh, the editor cut it in half. So it would have been like, you know. Really? It would have been a lot So longer. you're 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 comfortable writing. Yeah. And That's I never great. really knew that I was. You know, I was mm-hmm. one of those guys that in, in high school and junior high, the teacher would mark up the paper and be like, listen, don't even ever think about writing. Like, you're horrible. Like, you know, like real positive <laughs> feedback. And so I, I love really, that encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I almost just wanted to, to do a book to have a book, you know, for, as an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. But then when I started getting up every day writing about my experiences and be like, this is a great story and I got to include this. And then it, it, I just fell in love with it. I love writing. Now. I've, I've written three books altogether and um, I love doing it. Oh, that's fantastic. This is almost like a diary. It is. It's sort of like a, a diary of a Yankees fanatic. <laughs> right. So um, what uh, are some of the interesting things that happened to you? The interesting things? Well, you know, from a baseball standpoint, it was a great season. Derek Jeter got his 3,000th hit if somebody's a baseball fan. Mariano Rivera, who's the Yankees closer, broke. There. So there were a couple milestone things for, for sports and Yankees fans. Um, for me, I was going through a divorce at 40, and so it was a time of sort of like healing. I said it was like my eat, pray, love trip. You know, <laughs> others joke around that it was my midlife crisis. You know, that was like my BMW or, or whatnot. Um, and, then the, and then doing stand-up, you know, the life of a stand-up a comic trying to, you know, just going to open mics and just trying to get, you know, revved up to do five minutes. And then, you know, you work all day or you, you drive hours to do five minutes. And then sometimes you're pushed back and nobody's there when you go on. And oh, so just yeah. The whole yeah. Life There's of a like, comic is, like three people on the bar stool yeah. and that's it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it's tough. I mean, yeah. it really, it, the, the journey's tough. Yeah. Um, and then the company that I was working for went through a merger after, you know, after all these years I've been working with them. So I didn't, I was a little uncertain of my future. So I really try to do a good job of just sort of tying all these five or six storylines uh, into one. Wow. Yeah. I, re- I was thinking about this. There's an old movie with, I don't know if it's it's Sally Field and maybe it was Tam, Tom Hanks, but that they were doing stand-up. And it, I think that was the name of the movie, stand-up. Hmm. And, and that's what they did. And it just showed the kind of the underbelly of it, you know, and, and not that there's a seedy side to it. It's just that there are a lot of times when you come out on that stage and there's just nobody out there, you know. Yeah. Or the people that are out there have, uh, you know, three sheets to the wind. Yeah. And they're like, they're just as likely to throw a beer bottle at you yeah. than they are to laugh at you. And and uh, so, I mean, I, it, uh, that takes a lot of courage. And you know what I always thought, too? It takes a lot of intelligence. Um there's an old movie, uh, uh, I don't mean to think in terms of movies all the time, but it was Ray Don Chong was in this movie, and it was uh, uh, something about fire, finding fire or discovering fire, and there was no dialogue in this movie at all, because it was all about cavemen, oh, Quest for Fire, huh. Quest for Fire, it's probably 30 years old, and in this movie, the the whole thing was, she was from a different, I don't know if she was, you know, homo sapien and they were Cro-Magnon or what. But she was smarter than they were. And, and they captured her anyway. She showed them how to make fire. But through this whole thing, the point where the director had you understand that these people were getting smarter by being around her was when they started joking with each other, you know, mm. and making funny little gestures yeah. and laughing. And... So it was like 
the advent of intelligence. Hmm. And I've always associated good comedy with intelligence. Sure. Uh, like, I mean, you know, you take a look at, like, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, everybody knows, stand-up comedy. turned it, You know, he turned it into a career, and he turned it into, you know, hundreds of million dollars net worth and all that stuff. But the cool thing about him was he didn't go into it with, in, with a potty mouth. He yeah. found ways to address those subjects, you know, I mean, really tough subjects like abortion. Yeah. And instead they were doing like, is it a pizza when it's in the oven or is it a pizza when it comes yeah. out? When is it a pizza? You know, and they did all this. It was really intelligent the way they handled things like that. Sexuality and, uh, uh, you know, homophobia. All of those things were discussed. He didn't avoid them. He just handled them in a very intelligent way and actually, you know, really, really funny way. Not that there's anything wrong with that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, you see a lot of young comics uh, rely on profanity just as a crutch. Oh, yeah. When they're not that funny. And and quite frankly, I see myself do it from time to time. I watch a set and I throw I I throw in an extra curse. I was like, that was not necessary. Like it didn't gain you anything. And so, you know, and I think part of it's how you brought up. Yeah. You yeah. know, like I knew I was brought up in a similar kind of on Long Island from an Irish yeah, Catholic family. Yeah. And yeah. So very, you know, you didn't use that kind of language. I, I'm a little bit more diverse now, I guess. You yeah. Could say. <laughs> but, yeah. A little more initiated. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. So what did you did you want to be a stand up comic when you grew up? I mean, did you know that? Yeah. So from were my, you the class clown and no, all? No, no. I was the kind of, I, nobody talked to me. I was like shy. I, was, <laughs> I really was. I was like, um, you know, I didn't. I was very much. I went to college. When I got out of college, I started to break out of my shell a little bit. And I was fascinated by Johnny Carson. I remember watching Johnny Carson at about 12 years old. Oh, me and, too. Me and, too. And, I, and honestly, most of his jokes went over my head. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I just I was oh, yeah. up on local, you know, things. But he uh, but it, but the, the way the audience reacted to him and the way his facial expressions and his body language and people loved him. And I just, man, I want to do that. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't really do it. I did it at 21. At 21, I went up three or four times and it wasn't until 38 that I really went back on stage. So about 17 years, I didn't do it at all. Well, you know, uh, that sounds an awful lot like Ronji, Rodney Dangerfield. I mean, Rodney Dangerfield was doing stand-up comedy. He was really successful at it. For what I think he had a divorce or something. Anyway, he went back to whatever selling floor tile or whatever he was doing, and carpeting. I don't know. And he did that for like fifteen years or seventeen years, and then he went back. And I think he was in his forties. And all of a sudden, you know, he's yeah. he's doing back to school. He's doing Caddyshack. Yeah. He's doing all this stuff, and he became a huge star. Yeah, he's yeah. one of my early influences too. Oh, he's great. what an amazing guy! I used to listen guy. to his audio, just over him and Bill Cosby, over and over and over and over and over. Yes. And over oh, Bill Cosby was. Uh, I mean, he. Uh, you know, it's too yeah. bad the way yeah. things turned out. Because when I was a kid, I mean, you could sit down and and people today will not relate to this, but we, we would get his LP. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah would, exactly. <laughs> you would listen <laughs> to that thing. You put the needle down <laughs> until it went all the way. And you would just roll with. Uh, I mean, it was, it was so, funny. so funny, you yeah. know. And he's like, you know, we have six children because we did not want seven, <laughs> you know. And just just funny things, you know. Uh, he was he was great, genius, genius stuff like that. And um, what did you think of like Robin Williams and people like that? I mean, because when I was a kid, it was like, uh, oh, I can't remember his name right now, but uh, I just loved uh, the guys that would come on and and do comedy and do Im- imitations, mm-hmm. like Frank Gorshin. Stuff like all these people that came yeah. on the Tonight Show. I mean, it was a big deal if you even got on the Tonight Absolutely. Show. So, wh- where are your where are your venues today? I mean, that you need to get to. 
Um, you know, I I don't. I mean, I'm more a writer, and I'm more. I'm not like on tour. And, oh, okay. You know, okay. I, you know, I do mostly like local clubs when I live somewhere. Okay. Um, I I was really lucky enough to be in a town, Wilmington, North Carolina, that has like a local club that if you're good, you can you can get up on weekends for the for the headliners and stuff Fun. like that. Yeah. Fun. And then I'll go to a town and I'll be like, hey, I'm I'm in town for business. You know, if I send you a video, can I get a five or ten minute spot? Mm-hmm. And and they'll work you and stuff like that. That's so really. It's cool. not really how I make my money. Right. But I love doing it. Well, it's really fun. Yeah. It's really fun, and I'm glad we got to talk about it. Yeah. Well, we have to take a short break for our sponsor's sake, but when I come back, I want to. We talked about 160. We can pick up on that. But I also want to talk about your new book, 30 Ways in 30 Days to a Better Life. Can we do that? Can't wait. Okay, great. We'll be right back after this. And we're back. You're listening to Central Illinois Business. Alex Ruggieri here. We have been having a wonderful conversation with uh, Steve Milia, and he is uh, traveling across the country and happens to be in our studio today. Uh, and uh, I don't know if it's exactly a book tour, but we're talking about his <laughs> books. Uh, the first book, entitled 162, The Almost Epic Journey of a Yankees Superfan, in which he uh, literally went to every Yankee game in the season, 162 of them, and that's why the book is called that. And then the new book is called 30 Ways in 30 Days to a Better Life by Steve Melia. So, wow. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, the 162 tour, I actually done it. I'm the only person that's ever done it twice. I did it in 11. Did it twice? Yeah, I just finished in 2018. Right. So, I just came off the tour. In fact, my friend Nick, who uh, introduced us, he yeah. came out to a couple uh, White Sox games this Fun. year. Uh, so, I did that twice. So, in the middle of that tour, I released my new book, 30 Ways and 30 Days to a Better Life. And you know, I love my first book. I think a, a lot of people felt like it wasn't for them just because they're not a baseball fan or whatever. Yeah, you have to be a real you know, baseball fan. And, but yeah. I, and I try to communicate that if you have a dream, that's really what it's about. There's some yes, I like that. I like that. Um, and in the second book, I really feel like it's more of the recipe or the or the you know the blue or the blueprint for success. Like the first book is like, okay, here's what I did. I'm cool. But thirty ways in thirty days is literally like, let's redesign your life or let's design the life that you want. And you know, I've been a student of the personal development, personal achievement. Everybody from Earl Nightingale to Jim Rohn to Brian Tracy to you know to Les Brown. And so putting this book together was really just things that I've learned over the last twenty five years, and then I wanted to share with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I do seminars. And I and you do yeah and and that that basic the book is really what I do in my seminar and the probably the biggest thing that I that I like to kick off with is right in chapter one and it's called how to get your day started right and I think the biggest challenge that a lot of people are having these days is they're so addicted to their phone. Uh, and all the information that it brings us that we're overwhelmed. And so most people start their day by looking at their, their telephone, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and then they're looking at their email and their Facebook and their, you know, social media. And five minutes into the day, they've already decided to not have a great day by how they woke up. Mm-hmm. And so I challenge people, at least for the first 30 days, to put your phone in a place where you don't even see it until you do four things. Mm-hmm. Right. And number one is to get out a notebook and write down the 10 or 15, 10 or 15 goals. It, it could be any area. Every day? Every day. Write down very, 10 or 15 very, yeah, goals. It's okay. very, <laughs> a very highly disciplined, and, and it's not easy to do. It's changed, no. totally changing a habit. 
and and literally you know in the first few days are tough because all right well what i want you know mm. and then and then after a while you're just very clear and my spiritual life here's what i want you know my health i want to be 185 pounds with ripped abs and huge hook like well-defined <laughs> muscles and, and i literally have one for my books for my stand-up comedy for my you know and i and i write down 10 or 15 sometimes they change sometimes i'm like all right we're I want to go to Australia by next Christmas, you know, and I'll write that down. Or, but, but all of a sudden you start knocking things out. Like I literally live in the place I want to live in. I drive in the car that I want to drive in, so I don't have to worry about those things. And you start just breaking it down. What else do I want? You know, am I saving the money that, that I know I should? Am I investing the money that I know I should? Am I, you know, my, those kind of things. So that's the first and, thing. And it might be, too, what do I want to give? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I run one of the biggest um, Super Bowl uh, pools every year. I say it's one of the biggest. I don't know how big, how many are there are that big, but this year we raised twenty five grand for uh, an orphanage in Guatemala that wow. my family supports. Wow. And so that is a big, it is a big give back. Yeah. You know, for me, what do I want to give? You know, for you know, maybe somebody just they, they want to volunteer. They want to you know give back. So there's like eight different areas of, of goals: spiritual mm-hmm. and charity being certainly mm-hmm. one of them. Mm-hmm. Right. The second thing that I recommend that people do again before they touch their phone. This is the first day. Yeah, just the first day, and they got to. Basically, you're going to do this every day. So I lose a lot of people on the first day, I think. Um, And then I write down what your wins were, W I N S, from the day before. Okay, Mm -hmm. here's what you say your goals are. What'd you do towards any of them? Well, I did exercise. Great, you exercised. Um, I prospected four people for my business. Great. And you basically write down anything that you did that you felt like helped gain momentum for one of your goals. The third thing is to write down what you're grateful for, and I think this is just a great thing to do any time of the day, but it's certainly a great way to start your day, and obviously it could be family, friends, it could be the green grass, the, the beautiful weather that we're having here in Champaign, whatever oh, that yeah, looks like. Lovely weather. <laughs> um, and then the fourth thing is I read over these affirmations that I do, and it's like I'm, a, I'm divinely guided in all that I do, money flows easily and passively into my life, and, I have, and those are pre-done, those I have written out already. And the other ones I write. So the first three steps are writing, and then the fourth step is I just read these affirmations. So, so you believe in affirmations? I do. Yeah. I do. yeah. And I tell mean, me, tell me about much, that. What's not to believe in? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I. Well, I, 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 <laughs> I, I know that there is a mechanism that is extremely powerful with what we say to ourselves. Okay. And I mean, like there was a story I told this to my son the other day about how. Um, this lady had tried, you know, to get back into dating, you know, she had been divorced and this, that, and the other thing. And she went out with this young man that, you know, she was attracted to and, um, the, uh, date didn't go so well. He left mid dinner and that was it. And then she was talking to her friend and her friend said, well, yeah, why would he, you know, you're old. Why would he want to hang out with you? You're already old and you know, why would you, why would he want to hang out with you? You're not very interesting. And uh, she went on like this and, you know, you have wide hips and I mean, you know, and you know, you got to thinking what kind of friend would talk to a person that way. And the truth of the story is wasn't her friend. That was what she was telling herself. Mm, That's good. That's really good. That's what she was saying to herself. And so I know that there is a powerful mechanism that we sometimes self-sabotage. Um, I guess I'm just not sure that, you know, t- you know, it's like, you know, if somebody negative walks into the room, they can bring everybody down. But some happy person walks in and they ah, starts throwing tomatoes at them. So, you know, you wonder if, if the positive affirmations have as much effect, but they have to be better than the negative things we say to each other. Yeah. And, part of what you, yeah, and, and really what you're doing is you're sort of rewiring every, the way you think. 
you know, mm-hmm. everything about yourself. Yeah. And, and, you know. Yeah, reprogram. Yeah, you're really reprogramming by doing this. Um, right. You know, I had a guest author that. do a chapter in the book on 30 Ways um, named Kelsey Ieda, and she was just somebody I met in California. I have uh-huh. a podcast, and I had her on my podcast. Fun. And, yeah, and she she did a uh, wrote a book called Hashtag Actually I Can, and it was just a great book about how to write an affirmation, why they're important. And the biggest point that I got out of her book was that it's all about how you feel when you're finished, right? So say one person gets their day started the normal way. Maybe they open up the paper. And they turn on Good Day New York or, you know, Good Good Morning America. And all of a sudden, 30 minutes into the day, they've heard that there's, you know, there, there was a murder in town and there's rape. And, and, and just they're starting their day not on a pot. They check their email and one of their customers is mad at them. And person number two starts their day by doing these four steps. And at the end of it, they read these 15 affirmations. And, and I tell you... 20 or 30 minute investment in the morning and they're ready to take on their day like this is a person that's going to make more sales this is a person that's going to be a better parent i so believe in what you're saying i mean hands down uh one of the things my son's in the army and uh was in the army national guard or whatever but um and and one of the things he learned in the army is make your bed (laughs) i've heard this too just make your bed (laughs) you know and the act of actually making your bed sets the stage of like this is going to be a good day it's going to be orderly it's going to you know it you know you're and a feeling of accomplishment right and so if you're doing that in the physical realm what you're talking about is a social psychological spiritual realm has got to set the stage for something better yeah for sure for sure well a uh, couple things uh well first of all i saw a chapter in here by uh, uh, Kim uh, Malia that said living is giving. Yep, so absolutely. obviously you believe in, in that. Absolutely. Um, and so I think that is really a wonderful thing because I, I just think that's so much uh, of life. And then um, you have chapter 12, get a coach. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I really believe in coaching. I actually, and uh, uh, everybody listens to the show knows I am a commercial real estate broker. I have been, you know, for 40 years in real estate. And uh, but I never took off in the business. Like mm. last year, I was number 10 in sales out of 1600 wow. in our worldwide franchise. And the year before that, I was number 10 in sales. I have won this award seven times nice. in the last 10 years. OK, so I'm out selling people in in. Uh, you know, New York and in Los Angeles and, you know, I'm in Champaign-Urbana, right? <laughs> but anyway, um, never happened for me till I got a coach about 10 years ago. I got a coach. And then I actually uh, uh, had hired him for a couple of years. And then I later, a couple of years ago, I went to work for him as a coach nice. because I thought it was really good to give back. And that was the one year I didn't win the sales award because yeah. I was too busy coaching all these other people. I didn't pay attention to my own <laughs> business. But I believe in that. Yeah. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Absolutely. You know, there's different levels of coaching, right? You've got maybe somebody that's your mastermind partner that, you, that you're talking to. And, but a coach is really someone a little bit different. There's somebody that you're paying. You're paying these people. Yeah, And their money. job is to make you get better. Their job is to look for your blind spots. Their job is to wake up in the morning and think about how to, how to help you win, right? And why wouldn't you want something like that? Yeah. And so mo- most of us have, you know, like I'm a big fan of John Maxwell too, right? And he mm-hmm. talks about one of his laws in leadership is the law of the lid. We've all got these lids, and maybe it's, maybe it's you know, our personality, or maybe it's just that we're not doing something right. But there's some things that if we could identify them, 
we can work on them, we, we can improve them. So getting a coach um, in, do, in all different areas too, you know, even if you, maybe you're somebody that's been struggling to find a mate for years, you know, get a coach in that area, you know. Um, Hitch might be available. Yeah, yeah, he's a good <laughs> one. Um, a personal trainer. I know that um, when I, you know, when I've had points in my life when I go to the gym and I have a personal trainer, it's a totally different workout than when yeah, I'm in charge. No you know? And we let no ourselves off the hook too easy. No and kidding. when you have a coach and when you have, and some businesses are sort of set up, if you maybe have brokers and agents where it's sort of a, a built-in coach and, and mm-hmm. that's okay. They have a vested interest because they have a vested interest though. I like taking out your checkbook and hiring someone right. and, and becoming better because you know what, I believe in myself enough where I'm going to invest some money in myself and I don't think there's a better investment that people make in business than self-improvement or getting a coach and that kind of work. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I agree. Really, really good stuff. Okay, so we have less than a minute left. Awesome. How can people find out more about Steve uh, Melia and your books and absolutely uh, get yeah, copy sure. or whatever. Yeah, they can find get, out where you're speaking. Absolutely, they can get all the information on the 162crew.com. So numerically, 162crew.com. I've got my 30 ways there. I've got my 162. I even have uh, there's coupons on there uh, that they can get as well. Uh, product coupons, I guess you call them. Fantastic. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. Alex. Oh, it's great. Kidding? I've heard a lot of great things. I heard you were the nicest guy in Champagne. Oh, I <laughs> did. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I'll you try lived to live up, up to it. You lived I'll up try to it. live up to that. <laughs> uh, we have been talking with Steve Melia, uh, author, stand-up comedian, uh, par excellence. Thanks for being with you us got on it. the show. Thanks, today. buddy. And thank you for joining us. Please don't go away. So much more right after this. And we're back. You're listening to Central Illinois Business. Hi, this is Alex Ruggieri. Thanks for staying with us through the break. Second half of the hour. Got a great lineup here. We are talking with Laura Blyle. She has been here uh, on the show on and off over the years. uh, And I'm especially grateful to have her here today. Um, uh, And, of course, she is the founder of Shambana Moms. Welcome. Thank you, Alex. Good to be back. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. And I like to have you back on the show, uh, you know, every six months or whenever I can get you because there's just so much going on. And, you know, and honestly, if people want to know what's going on, they go to Shambana Moms, (laughs) which is really kind of cool. Well, that's our hope. I think that it's developed to be a community resource. I think people have taken ownership of it and feel invested in it just as much as, you know, we do as as the people who run it. So that's kind of an amazing thing. Yeah, it is. And um, I, I, you know, our kids are all grown and everything, but we have like 12 grandkids. I was going to say, you've got like grandkids yeah. coming out your ears. Yeah. <laughs> and so every time, you know, like in the weekends or different things, you know, we're on that site, you know, checking. It's a really a wonderful thing. And I think back about how we used to do it in the old days and it was really tough. I mean, you had to sit there and make phone calls or you had to look in the paper and not everything was always in the paper and, you know, people didn't bulletin boards or, yeah. yeah, I mean, even just, you know, that was kind of the impetus for why we started this thing to begin with was that it, we just felt that it was way too difficult for parents to find good, solid information about, you know, what to do with your family um, to have fun and also just good information about the community in general that's family focused. And that's our goal. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't want to assume everybody out there knows what Shambana Moms is. So maybe you could give us a real quick 
review of what it's all about, how it started, and how it works. So ChampagneAndMoms.com is an online digital magazine for families in and around Champaign-Urbana. I say families, but really that touches almost everybody. I mean, everyone has a family, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest compliments we get is, I'm not a mom and I read your website. And that's really the... (laughs) That was really the goal. I mean, we called it Shamana Moms, but by no means do we mean it to be inclusive uh, or exclusive, mm-hmm. so to speak. And uh, we we pride ourselves on being, you know, a, a news resource, um, a resource that gets out information to families. Like I said, things to do, places to go. We have a very uh, detailed calendar. We focus on things that are low cost um, and family focused. Um, as well as just general articles kind of uh, aggregating a lot of information that kind of like you said in the old days you had to look to in 10 different places. Um, We're also very active on social media. Our Facebook page is incredibly active and engaged um, with people contributing information and resources. Uh, We are on Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, on a regular basis, we do Facebook chats. Uh, we do events, um, especially events. in the summer wow. season. We okay. have a, 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 a series of playdates that we'll be doing this summer for the third summer in a row. And we do other. We did a winter playdate series as well. So got people up and cool. out, and you know got their kids moving. So that was a lot cool. of fun. Yeah, so especially we, in the wintertime, to have something to do around right. here is kind of tough. So yeah, we so we're online and offline. Wow, wow, that's fantastic. Well, um, I know that you're uh, kind of a big wig at the university and the research park and all that other stuff. So you have a, 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 a real job. How did you start this? I mean, what gave you the idea and how? What happened? How did it all go? Um, I started it mainly kind out of my own frustration with the, the uh, you know resources that we had when I was a parent of two very young children. Um, and in being a journalist, that's my background. And being somebody who's really curious, I was always finding out stuff. And it was just frustrating to me that I had nowhere to put that. So I was mm. like, well, I'll just create something to put all that information mm. that's constantly filling up my brain. Um, and I had a business partner at the time, and she and I together worked to put the site up and running. And it, uh, we turned seven years old this year. Wow. So. So the the site um, and it's kind of just taken on a life of its own and it's evolved as, you know, time has evolved as mobile has evolved. So um, and on all of that. So we we try to be as responsive to readers. We try to be embedded in the community. We're very active in the community. We now have seven people on our staff. Wow. Seven people. Mm -hmm. That is pretty impressive. That is amazing. Well, you know, during the last election, I think I learned something, and I think maybe Mark Zuckerberg learned something that about social media is it is the new media. I mean, Facebook is actually a media company, sure. and whether they want to admit it or not, a lot of people get their news and information from those kinds of medias. Had you ever thought of Shambana Moms as a media company? Because I think with your blogs and uh, articles and things like that, it's it's really kind of like a media outlet. 
Yeah, I mean, I I know I certainly did, um, mm-hmm. and maybe that's just because I, you know I'm a I have two journalism degrees, and I used to be a daily newspaper reporter. So from my perspective, I always viewed it that way. I think it's taken time for other people to maybe view it yeah, that way. In the yeah. past year, we've bro- I never thought we've, of it that way. We've broken a lot of stories. Um, we broke have the story really? that we broke the story that Giordano's was coming to town. Uh, we broke, uh, so there's other stories that, you know, where we've, um, Did you guys post one too about Trader Joe's or something at one time? (laughs) We posted an April Fool's joke about Trader Joe's one time (laughs) that a lot of people took way too seriously. (laughs) Uh, so yes. And, uh, but yeah, we will never do that. We don't joke about Trader Joe's anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it just proves the point. I mean, it's a media source that people look to with uh, a uh, extreme amount of credibility. Yeah, and and that's our goal. I mean, we take it very seriously, um, wow. and and we, uh, you know, and I think that just because, like I said, because of our background as journalists, um, but we also have a lot of fun. Yeah. So we yeah. try to have a lot of fun with the events. We try to have fun on Facebook and, you know, provoke engaging conversation that, you know, isn't always super serious too. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's got, it's got to be, can't take yourself too serious. Right. Got to have a little uh, time for levity in there. Yeah, especially and, with families. And you know, we also are 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 very proud of the fact that our our we feel that we have a much more engaged community because of the mm-hmm. website. People are more in tune mm-hmm. with what's happening in in local organizations. They're more, I mean, the libraries are constantly telling us, you know, the difference between before Shambana Moms and after Shambana Moms in terms of attendance at, you know, story times or things like that cool. that it made a direct because impact, can find out you know. About it. And also, you know, sometimes we had one person who once wrote to me and said, you guys were my first friend when we moved here because you told me all the things that I needed to know. And so, um, you know, with a transient community like this one, that we are often, so to speak, the digital welcome wagon. Wow. Yeah. Maybe that's what uh, you should also uh, leverage that a little bit. You know, you have so many supporters and sponsors. Mm hmm. Who would like to meet these people, too? Yes. Uh, maybe you already do. I don't know. Yeah, we have over 100 local advertisers. So we work right. with and we work with lots of but different But you know how spots. Welcome Wagon, oh, you know, yeah. they used to show up with a basket. Oh, and yes, the, you exactly. Know, they had all these different things from the local merchants and the different you know, local hospital or whatever. And say, welcome to town. And by the way, here's our local hospital. And here's some restaurants that want you to visit. And there's coupons yeah. and... By the way, here's a pizza from whatever the corner pizza place. That's right. No, I mean, I we, we should if do some that. Premium things you could do almost digitally. Yeah. Well, I know that some of my some of my friends who have sites like ours in other cities are are experimenting are with oh, things like that. So uh, maybe we can leverage something like that too. But I think the most important thing is to get is getting that information out and and having people feel welcome in our community. Oh, absolutely. I, I you know, especially. Uh, in these uh, fast-paced times, people uh, move around a lot, mm-hmm. and they do sometimes feel um, uh, a, a feeling of isolation, and especially moving to a new community and not knowing anybody. Yes, um, unless you have like something like a church or something that where you know you they've got a, a, the same congregation, you know. In, in this town as they did in the last town. At least you'd have some people you could go and see right. that would at least have similar values to you. You may not know them, but um, outside of that, 
people are, I mean, maybe work, but, you know, you, you can move. Like if you're working in a big hospital and then you come to move for Christy or, or you come to work for Carl, and you still don't know anybody there. Sure. I mean, you might know the guy who hired you or the right. lady who's your boss. But anyway, I just think it's anything we can do to mend that and to bridge that gap for people and give them ways, conduits to the community, super huge. Yeah, and that's we like to uncover hidden gems and we like to offer people, you know, views of the community that, you know, maybe they didn't see before. And of course, we also like to help people with things like, you know, where making their decisions. We don't make recommendations, but decisions on, you know, giving them information about preschools and uh, private schools and not private schools and, you know, summer camps and all that kind of stuff. So that's really something that's big right now, um, summer camps. So we have a big summer camp guide that we put out. Uh, we Neat. try to keep it as affordable as possible for, you know, many of the camp providers themselves are nonprofits and things like that. So, um, you know, but we, you know, we off, we try to provide that as a way so that, you know, parents don't spend too much time going to 18 different websites when they can come to ours and get most of the information that they need. Yeah. Yeah. That is cool beans. That is really cool stuff. So I'm thinking uh, your business model. All right. Now I brought this up last time about, you know, you should go national because I mean, <laughs> I just, it's such a strong thing, but what you could do is you could do like some kind of roll up where the friends that you have that are in other communities, you could partner with them or you could acquire them or merge with them. Mm -hmm. And that would make it a lot easier going national because then you wouldn't have to, um, you know, reinvent the wheel in every community. They've already got those really important relationships in place, not to mention the sponsors and the other people sure. engaged. Sure. What do you think of that idea? Uh, well, you know, it's a great idea, but many of the people who've done what we've done and tried to make it national have been work, basically worked with national advertisers. I think what makes our site unique is that our oh, advertisers are local. Yeah, and yeah. local advertising, as other people know, it's it's uh, it requires a lot of personal attention. Yep, it does. And so and it knowing does. the right people and we built a lot of relationships over yeah. the years, you know, my it's hard to duplicate. So, yeah. So that's one of the things that I feel is a little bit difficult if we were to go into other markets. But there are mm -hmm. certainly some markets that I've had my eye on mm -hmm. um, and would love to to do it. But, you know, we we're very quality driven. So uh, if we can't it, do it right, yeah. then I don't want to do a it. A lot of it is the right person, the quality mm -hmm. person. You can't just even a quality market doesn't work. You've got to have the quality person. It's hard to sure. I don't know. It's just we could take a cell sample and clone Laura Blyle, <laughs> maybe. But that's what you need. You yeah, need people like you that are engaged and engaging and um, committed, you know, to the community and maybe even have a history in the community. And that's hard to find. Yeah, and you know, I've been very lucky uh, with our staff and when, when I first, my advertising manager was our first advertiser. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's, 
it, it perpetuates itself and, and it's a passion project in a lot of ways. I'd love to, to do it in other communities. And if people have ideas who are listening, who might be in other communities that yeah. are outside, you right. know, feel free to reach out to me and right. um, happy to talk to people about it. It's a, it's a, it's a great thing. You know, the internet has provided a lot of opportunities for people who, um, you know, didn't have the means or didn't have the resources to be a publisher before. And so, you know, that's what we are. We're publishers. Yeah. Um, and, but what we do, like I said, it has a, a passion behind it. And, and our goal really is, um, to bring the community together and to help people. And so I always like to say that it's my biggest community service project. So yes, it's a business and it makes money, but, um, in the end, I feel like it's, it's, you know, a a love letter to, to Champaign-Urbana. And that's the, the, you just gave the, the story for every great business. I mean, that's where it starts. Actually, people want to give value. And then everything else takes care of itself. Yeah. All right. We're out of time. But tell folks how they can engage and find out more information. Well, of course, our every it starts with our website, shambanamoms.com. You can sign up for our email newsletters. We send it out once a week there. You can visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. So hope you'll connect with us. And thanks, Alex, for having me. Oh, thanks so much for coming. I know you had a lot going on, and it was, it was a, a, a special for you to be here today. Uh, we have been talking with Laura Blyle. She is the founder of Shambana Moms. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. And thanks for listening each week.